Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is the Catholic podcast where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it, and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we are going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Clumsy Theosis Podcast. My name is Rochelle Lucero, and I'm really excited that you are joining me today. This episode is kind of like a follow-up to our previous episode that we did on theosis buzzwords, and that is getting really good reviews. Uh, You guys seem to be loving it, and I'm really glad. Um, Before I get into the material for today, please know that I have had a lot of frustration trying to record this episode. It is raining outside and I'm near a downspout. And for whatever reason, every plane in the nearby airport seems to want to take off, but I have to record. So please forgive any weird background noise that you might hear because I might not be able to edit it out. Okay. All right. Now that I've got that off of my chest. Yeah. Let's talk about today's topic. Well, actually, I want to do a little recap about last week's topic, because like I said, this is kind of like a follow-up. So in last week's episode, we went over the important buzzwords and phrases that we use all of the time in the faith, right? And these words are actually talking about theosis. I'm sure many of you were totally shocked when you found this out. And when I say all the time, I am not exaggerating because these words are in our sacraments, in the liturgies, scriptures and writings of the church. And we even say these words ourselves when we're talking about the faith. And I have coined them theosis buzzwords and phrases. And let me tell you, I am entirely too pleased with myself for this. I know it's not a big deal. It's cheesy. It's corny, but I, I don't know. I I'm thrilled by my genius. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And if this is a measure of my genius, then I think I might be in trouble. Anyways, Anyways, all right, so the point of last week's episode was to teach you how to identify both the invitations to theosis that God is giving you and the instructions that God has given you for how to respond to each invitation of theosis by using those buzzwords. And those words fall into one of two categories, the ethical theosis category, which is focusing on our imitation of Christ or the ontological theosis category, which is focusing on our participation with Christ. And the categories are important because they are actually the instructions for how we are to respond to each specific invitation to theosis. And our response is either going to be imitation or participation. Okay, so how was that recap? I hope that was helpful getting you to remember things, turning on those light switches, those light bulbs going off. Okay, If you don't remember what we talked about last week, there is a link in the show notes for that episode. If you didn't even hear last week's episode, you can use that same link. It works for everyone. Okay, it is important for you to have a foundation about these two things that are being hybridized, um, the imitation-focused and the participation-focused type of theosis. But you have enough information for us to continue with today's episode, but it really is helpful for your faith. Just saying. So go listen to that one after this episode. But after we realize that 
theosis can be broken up into these two categories, either imitation or participation. It's natural to wonder, is theosis always an either-or situation? Is it always focused on either imitation of Christ, the ethical, or participation of Christ, the ontological? Is it ever both? And if it is ever both, how does that work? Okay, so that's where we left off at the last episode. And it was a bit of a cliffhanger because before I ended, I backtracked a little and I was like, yeah, the ethical and the ontological senses of theosis, we spent all of this time categorizing them and showing how different they are, but they actually work in tandem most of the time. And then I dropped the phrase hybrid theosis, which we're going to cover today. So here's some great news. Theosis, it's not something that just happens out in the ether, right? Theosis is a partnership between us and God. And because of 2 Peter 1, 4, we know that God really wants us to become partakers of his divine nature, right? He really wants eternal union with us. St. Cyril of Alexandria understood that the sacraments are central for us to be partakers of the divine nature. And like all invitations to theosis, they ask us to participate with Christ or to imitate Christ. But for St. Cyril, the sacraments require dynamic participation, right? They call for a both-and response, like a hybrid response. And that's why this is my favorite explanation of theosis and why I'm calling St. Cyril's theosis a hybrid. And again, this is my word. This is not an official term of the church. But once you see how it's a both-and response, you will also be calling this a hybrid theosis. And when I say a both-and response, right, every invitation to theosis requires a response, and it's either participation or imitation. But St. Cyril says it's both-and, okay? So just watch. You're going to be calling this a hybrid theosis also. I'm so thankful for the work that St. Cyril has done on theosis because Not only does he explain this hybrid type of response, but he also breaks down how we take part in the divine nature of God through the sacraments of baptism, and especially the Eucharist, as well as the incarnation. And then there's also a dynamic connection between our imitation of Christ and our ability to participate with Christ and vice versa that exists, that he explains, which we need to know. So today, I'm going to pull back the layers on St. Cyril's hybrid theosis because he's going to tell us where we fit in in the process and how to harness the theosis opportunities in the sacraments and how those sacraments give us specific access to each member of the Trinity. It's, I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's also a little bit crazy, but in the most beautiful kind of way. And I guess in my mind, I see it as a beautifully choreographed dance between two partners, us and God, and he really wants us to know the dance routine, or else he wouldn't have revealed all of this to the church. Let's look at what St. Cyril has to tell us. And to be clear, St. Cyril didn't come up with this explanation of theosis on his own. It's not man-made. It's from God, right, revealed to St. Peter in 2 Peter 1, 4, you know, partakers of the divine nature. And the fathers and the saints of the early church have discerned and articulated the meaning of what God revealed to St. Peter, especially saints Origen, um, sorry, especially Origen and saints Athanasius. There were others as well, but it wasn't until St. Cyril. He was the one who really teased out the mechanics of how we partake in the divine nature in the fourth century while he was battling the Nestorian controversy. 
It was already well established, and we even covered it in our previous episode. It was already established that our participatory theosis is only made possible because of the incarnation of Christ. So St. Cyril built on this, and then the hybrid started to emerge, and we see this specifically through the sacraments of baptism and the Eucharist. Through baptism, our dynamic participation in theosis begins, because this is when the Holy Spirit finds a home in us, and his dwelling within us makes us adopted sons and daughters by grace and heirs to the kingdom. And so it's through baptism that we participate in Christ. But is it just that? If you remember, in scripture, St. Paul has already told us that by baptism, we're able to walk in the fullness of life. Some translations say the fullness of Christ. But walking in the fullness of Christ is theosis language for imitation of Christ, right? It falls under that category of imitation. So this is a great example of how participation-focused theosis, you know, baptism, how that enables us and demands our imitation-focused theosis, right, which is to walk in the fullness of Christ. So because we participate with Christ in our baptism, we are now given the ability to walk in Christ, and not just the ability, but also it's like a requirement. And St. Cyril acknowledges this, and this is like our first example of like the hybrid, but there's more to come. So let's move on to the Eucharist. St. Cyril explains that the Eucharist conforms us into the image and likeness of Christ through two different ways, a physical way and a spiritual way, which you will see, they both encompass imitation and participation in Christ. So physically, we partake of the Eucharist, and thanks to his physical presence within us, we're renewed inwardly, conforming us to Christ. Now, this physical aspect is participation-focused theosis because Christ is initiating And he's working a thing within us while we participate through worthy reception of the Eucharist. Now, spiritually, the Eucharist gives us the graces needed in order for us to attain moral likeness to Christ, which basically means that the Eucharist gives us the graces that we need and the power that we require in order for us to overcome our passions, to conquer sin, and to attain holiness and righteousness, otherwise known as imitating Christ. Am I right? The Eucharist gives us what we need in order to live a life in imitation of Christ. But we can't move on just yet from the Eucharist because I need to call your attention back to something I said a few seconds ago. You might have caught this. I said that it is through worthy reception of the Eucharist that we're able to participate in Christ, right? And the way that we receive the Eucharist worthily is if we live a life That is a life in imitation of Christ. You know, this is just another instance of that hybrid, right? So the way that we participate is affected by how well we imitate. And the way that we imitate actually is kind of dependent on the grace we get from participating, right? So do you see that? Do you see how this hybrid, on the one hand, we need to live an imitation-focused life in order to receive the graces that we need from the Eucharist. But on the other hand, the graces that we get from the Eucharist, they actually fuel our ability to live an imitation-focused life, right? So it's like we need each one in order to acquire the other, right? It's a classic chicken or the egg situation. You might be asking, all right, then what do we do? The answer is we receive the sacraments. 
St. Cyril could not stress enough how essential reception of the Eucharist is for our salvation, right? It's going to bring the receiver into intimate contact with the source of life. And when that happened, it allows for participation-focused theosis, and it fuels our imitation theosis, right? So through this participation with God, this is how we partake in his divine nature, right? So receive the Eucharist as often as possible, and it's going to give you grace. It's going to give you grace that you need to imitate Christ, and then that is going to help you receive the Eucharist even more worthily. Also, lean into your baptism, right? Easter is what? Two, two months away? Yes, yeah, about two months away. So at Easter, what do we do? We renew our baptismal promises, right? So do that. Do it with purpose and tap into those graces. I mean, you already have it, but really strengthen your baptismal promises. Or don't. It is your choice. Theosis is a partnership between us and God, and it gives us the means to freely choose deification which is to say, to respond yes to the invitations that God is giving us constantly in order to have our image and likeness restored to his. And that's one of the wonderful things that I love about theosis. And I am, awe, I am in awe frequently, and I probably tell you this, about the generous invitation that theosis is. And think about that. Like God is constantly providing us with countless invitations and constant help in the form of grace and all of these opportunities. I mean, it really truly is a partnership with the goal of ultimate relationship, right? Which is union with us. That's what God wants, union with us. And I remember the one thing that I really, really wanted, I had to have before I opened up the Clumsy Theosis merchandise shop, I had to have a design that showcased theosis in this way. And so what I ended up coming up with was a definition, a definition of theosis that was both understandable to the common public, but still captured the truth and the beauty of theosis. And thanks to the help that I got from my deacon and his wife, I have landed on one and I love it. So this is what I landed on. Tell me what you think. So theosis. A transformative process that brings about likeness to God and union with God with the help of God. I think that this is straight and to the point. It is the flagship design for the shop. That's how much I love it. And my hope is that this definition will convey the love of God and prompt people who see it in public, right? Like the point is like you wear this design out or you have it on your accessories and people see it. And they ask questions, those seeking questions about God, right? Like, is this really what God wants? Is this what he wants? Does he want me to have likeness to him and union with him and he's going to help me, right? That is what I'm hoping that this design will do whenever people see it out in public. I have this design on the black and white baseball tee. I love black and white baseball tees or just baseball tees in general. Um, but I have this design on that, and every time I've worn it, I've been complimented. And the last time I wore it, someone actually asked me where I got it. And I was like, oh, well, actually, you know, and then I had to give them the information for the shop. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that it is out in the world doing all the things that um, I think it can do. So if you want to get yourself anything with the theosis definition on it, I highly recommend there's a link in the show notes for the shop, or you can go to clumsytheosis.net and then click the word shop in the menu. It'll take you where you need to go. And there's all kinds of product options with this design on it. But back to St. Cyril. 
Not only does he tell us how to participate in the sacraments, how to get the most out of all of the theosis invitations that the sacraments hold, he also points out that through the sacraments, we receive all three persons of the Trinity. So it's through our baptism that we receive the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity. And it's through Christ in the incarnation, as well as in the Eucharist, that we receive the Son of God, who is the second person of the Trinity. But that's not all. It's through theosis, you know, and us receiving Christ, us receiving the second person of the Trinity. He makes us perfect in unity with the Father, who is the first person of the Trinity. So it's through the incarnation, through our baptism, and through the Eucharist that we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we don't just have them. We're able to participate in the personal life of the Trinity, right? We are able to be true partakers of the divine nature. So what do you say that we pray God's truth over ourselves based off what St. Cyril has shared with us about theosis, right? Let's pray some declarations to come into agreement with God's plan for us, right? And for us to be partakers of his divine nature. All right. So all you have to do is repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I declare and decree God really wants me to become a partaker of his divine nature. My participation in theosis has been made possible because of the incarnation of Christ. By baptism, I have the grace to walk in the fullness of life. When I worthily receive the Eucharist, I'm being renewed inwardly, conformed to Christ. The Eucharist gives me the graces needed to live in imitation of Christ. Amen. You will find all of these declarations on the website. And a link for that is down in the show notes. A big thank you to our top financial supporters, Sherry, Vincent, Gina, T-Rex, Gary, Jason, and Lewis. If you got value out of today's show, if you learned something, if you are now excited to participate in the sacraments even more, anything, please listen to the outro message about donations. Donations are how this show exists. Pray about it. If you feel so called, please donate. All right. Until next time. Peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. (laughs) But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. There you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email, and very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at clumsytheosis.net. 
Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right, thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us.